0: Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Cahalan, the hero of At the Hawk's Well, accepts his death also, but with considerable difference in matter and style. The shift might be said to hinge on the difference between lunar and solar influences. Cahalan, being the solar hero of Celtic mythology, does not reject the love of all under the light of the sun, as Lunar Forgale does. Note, in the 1900 version of Shadowy Waters, Forgale is described as having a silver, in other words, lunar lily embroidered over his breast. Rather, Coholland seeks it passionately and violently. That is uh, in the end of The Death of Cahalan, the last play Yeats wrote before, and he wrote it on his deathbed pretty much, uh, Cahollin runs off and dies battling the indomitable waves. Um, and there's deep mythology to that. I, uh, of course, wrote my song Land of Shadows based on that mythology. For Gale's rejection of passion leads only to certain death. Cahalan's acceptance of passion, on the other hand, leads him directly to his destiny in the world. By the time of this play, Yeats had come to believe that wisdom was less to be sought in the quest which turns the seeker inward and away from the world than in the quest which demands that wisdom be gained through the experience of life in full acceptance of one's fate in the world. This is an amazing point. In fact, at about this time, Yeats felt that he was moving from the lunar influences, which had dominated the first part of his life, into solar influences. That's very Rudolf Steiner anthroposophy, actually. He was becoming a man of action in the world. He was also moving from his romantic style of poetry to developing the early modern style of poetry, along with people like Eliot and Ezra Pound. The stark, even brutal style of the second play reflects these changes. The landscapes of the two plays also reflect the shift. At the hawk's well is set amid inhospitable rock, as contrasted to the misty seascape of the shadowy waters. The hero is first seen toiling up the barren mountainside, actively seeking the well of immortality and the hazels of wisdom. The images of the well and the mountain damn cock, the images of the well and the mountain of spiritual ascent come directly from the Celtic mysteries and the golden dawn and they are in this play organic elements not superseded as are the red, white, black hounds in the shadowy waters. There is no suggestion in At the Hawk's Well of misty otherworldliness, although this setting suggests the axis mundi, the point at which natural and supernatural worlds intersect. Direction and decision are further suggested in the brief description of how Cahullin arrived at the place. Hearing of the well of the she she's the Irish word for fairies or the hills because of the connection between the two over the wine at dawn the hero found a boat, set sail caught a lucky wind and found the shore the motion as the telling of it is direct and purposeful not aimless and wandering as in the shadowy waters once arrived at his destination Cahalan seems certain that he will be rewarded with his destiny as indeed he is but not in the way he expects the old man had been watching at the well for 50 years, warns Cahullin of the curse that falls on all who look upon the unmoistened eye of the guardian of the well. The female figure, the guardian, is as much or more a part of Cahullin's fate as Dectira is of four gales. It's Dectora, but in one of the versions of the play it was Dectira, and that's the one we did. But she is first seen crouching in the cold wind, staring at the dry well with unseeing eyes. Dektora is first seen reclining on embroideries. When the old man foretells Cahalan's fate, that he will kill his own child, the audience, expected to be familiar with Cahalan's story, knows the prophecy will be fulfilled. The hero, unafraid of the guardian, be she bird, woman, or witch, accepts the challenge, meets her eye, and is bewitched forthwith. Forgetting his purpose, Cahullin cries, Run where you will, grey bird, you shall be perched upon my wrist. The water bubbles into the well as Cahullin, chasing the hawk woman, goes out. The musicians note. Yeats has musicians in a lot of his plays singing songs and doing interludes, which is one of the coolest things about them. They're often wearing masks as well. Lots of masks in Yeats play again, a throwback to, Or an inspiration from Japanese no theater. He has lost what may not be found, till men heap his burial mound, and all the history ends. He might have lived at his ease, an old dog's head on his knees, among his children and friends. Unlike the old man, whose life has been stolen by his own futile watching and waiting for what never happens, Kahalan pursues fate. When he reappears, The spell has been lifted, and in the distance are heard the cries of Ifa, Ifa. She is the warrior woman who Cahalan is fated to conquer, both in battle and in bed. She will bear Cahalan's child, the son that he will slay in hand-to-hand combat. In the poem that closes at the Hawk's Well... The well and hazels mock him who would live the better life of wisdom. But Yeats himself said, There is no laughter too bitter, no irony too harsh, nor passion too terrible to be known, for it is only in knowing these that we come to true wisdom. We must rejoice in battle, finding the sweetest music to be the stroke of the sword. By the time Yeats came to write at the Hawke's Well, before that time in fact, He had come to the realization that man cannot cure the spiritual malaise simply by romantically bearing his soul to the tempest. One of the interesting differences uh, worth noting here is the difference between uh, the shadowy waters of the inward journey and the outward expression of the lunar and the solar is actually more equivalent to the lesser and greater mysteries and the black and white robe transition from initiate to adept where with the black robe you're absorbing light and learning and doing the negredo inter, inner alchemy of the lesser mysteries, and then when you move to the white robe and the greater mysteries, you are then projecting that light, the solar light, out like Cahalan. Forgill's solution was the answer of youth, and perhaps Yates's difficulties with the play stem from the fact that he had outgrown these inadequate answers before he finished the final version. It's very interesting. Certainly, the work underwent many revisions. Nonetheless, when Yeats began the search for a new style through which to express his developing philosophy, he was not forced to abandon Celtic imagery. On the contrary, he learned that by getting into an original relation to Irish life, he was able more fully to know himself. Philosophy being biography, as Yeats said, he found that the study of Celtic myth caused him to recreate himself both as a man and as an artist. The Celtic mysteries failed to become an established occult order but they were an essential step in Yeats's creative evolution. Through them, he achieved intimate understanding of mankind's true face, and he used Celtic symbols time and again to embody that knowledge. By 1917, with the Paramica Silentia Lunae, Yeats had begun to create his own mythology, but in 1938, the year before his death, Yeats turned again to Cahullin. The death of Colin was published in Last Poems and Two Plays in 1939, the year Yeats died. He turned to Collin in Celtic myth to express those themes of life and death which were uppermost in his mind. By then, Yeats was 73, a very old man looking something out of mythology himself. He had learned that life was a tale sung by a harlot to a beggar man. Thanks for listening. I uh, recorded this commentary because I think uh, this content is really interesting and a great way to bookend the lecture I'm giving at PantheaCon tomorrow. And uh, so this will be there for anyone who uh, um, wants to follow the lecture with some uh, notes and a deeper dive into some of the concluding thoughts of uh, Lucy Caligara and her unpublished PhD dissertation on Yeats's Celtic Mysteries, which are really the uh, a crucial piece that was missing from my 1990 publication of The Celtic Mysteries of WB8's Irish Gods, Myths, and the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, which of course you can get online. Anyway. Iowa sláinte wa. on Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information, to order any of its products, please visit www.HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk. That's HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of scott's discovery of witchcraft which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh till the end of may i believe so check it out now hermetic science,